On this week's episode, we're going to be talking about how your messages are perfectly safe, especially soon with this new technology with Apple and Google for reels. That doesn't sound right. Sort of. Uh, sort of. Not really. Not. We'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Welcome to episode number 359 of Destination Linux, your favorite video podcast. My name is Ryan. I'm Michael. And I'm Jill. We're also going to cover Google finally deciding to delete some history, but not the kind you probably wanted it to delete. Now let's get the show on the road towards Destination Linux. So our feedback this week comes from Jim. Jim goes on to say, a lot of your defense of snaps is disingenuous at best. Hopefully I'm capturing your tone here, Jim, properly. Snaps have a few benefits over flat packs, which I hope flat packs improves and competition is good to a point. But the best thing that could happen once flat pack is fit for all use cases is for snaps to die. Uh, get it, Jim? Let, write us and let us know if I <laughs> got your tone correct there. Yes. How, how, did, how did he interpret your email? Yeah. I just imagine you writing this very angrily. It's a little, a little angry here. Uh, there should be only one C system D and how that has improved the ecosystem. So, Jim, uh, sorry that uh, you thought we were disingenuous there, but I can appreciate your passionate email. You know, there are rants on this show. Times I've gotten very upset with certain things like, I don't know, Ubuntu's hardware enablement. That's just good business. Being good, slow. That's just good business, man. Just good business. So I, I know what it's like <laughs> to like not like something and you kind of get really passionate about it. Um, and I'm sorry you felt it was disingenuous, but it would be really nice if you sent us some examples in this email. Like, and I'm not being facetious here of like, why? you think snaps should die because it's one thing to be like, Hey, I don't like snaps and I want to use them. And I think flat packs would be more popular, but you know, you want this other product to completely die. So if you had some examples of that, of but why also you, it's, you feel so passionate. It's also interesting that these, that he says that snaps are better in some ways, but it still should die. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe Jim meant to be funny too in this. Like you could Could read that in a funny tone and be like, maybe he was saying this is what a typical, that's true. That's it's hard to do a slash S or something there to let us hard to tell. Uh, uh, also I went back and listened to the episode and I think we handled it actually quite balanced. There were several things we called out snaps for. We didn't hold back on the things that they hadn't fixed, uh, but we praised them for the things that they did fix. Uh, so, I give me and Jill an A plus after reading that. And what, what, I, what's my grade? <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it after the show. There's some extra work you could do, a little homework to make your grade I a see, little higher. I see. But I'm saying like a B, but Jill and I nailed that topic. I think, you know, looking at this unbiasedly, I think we probably covered it greater than any podcast ever has, Jim. Just my thoughts. <laughs> Look, I'm glad you're unbiased about that. Yeah. So, so I do think that it's uh, an interesting email, and I would like to say that, like, the first thing I want to address is the phrase disingenuous at best. Mm. I'm not sure what is really meant by this, because that phrase means that you don't, you don't think that a person believes in something. Like, they're saying it even though they don't believe it. When we say that snaps have improved, and, you know, here's the weird part, I believe they have. In no, fact, you can see that they have. You say that, Michael. I, I guess. 
So that's why I was a little confused when I first read this email. But there's also uh, the, the points about, um, sure, snaps are not perfect. Flat packs are not perfect. But saying the best thing that, that could happen is flat packs get fit for all use cases and then snaps to die. I wouldn't put it that way, but rather that a single universal format would be ideal. I agree mm. with that, regardless of which one it is. That'd be the, a fair way of putting it. Fair sure. balanced. And the issues is that it requires f- one of the formats to cover all use cases. And last I checked, Flatpak is not even attempting to address the server side of stuff. Yeah. So that could have changed, but based on my recent research, it doesn't appear that it has. So it couldn't be the solution for everything if they're not attempting to be that solution for everything. So that's another reason why Snaps, it makes sense for them to exist. But with all that said, I personally would like to see Ubuntu adopt Flatpaks for the desktop and Snaps be refocused for server use. Or alternatively, I'd be okay with Ubuntu simply just bundling flat packs out of the box. Well, that's probably not likely. I think that would be the best for most users because they would just have access to everything right out of the box. But if I could just snap my fingers and make a wish related <laughs> to this topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see what you did there. Yeah, I, uh, I would have all of these developers come together to work on just one of the formats for sure. Regardless of which one it is, I don't know which one is the best choice. But only having one would be the best path for for everyone, for sure. Uh, perhaps eventually that is going to happen, inev- inev- like an inevitable outcome. But, I mean, it is what it is. Like right now, they they both exist. They both have reason to exist because one does servers and one doesn't. And, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. What do you think, Jill? Yeah, so... I, you know, I, I agree that it would be nice to have a universal, uh, uh, package, uh, format like snaps or, or flat packs. Uh, but yeah, like Michael was saying they they have different use cases, you know, flat packs are, are desktop and snaps can be used for desktop or server side. And I know, I know flat packs we had talked about on that episode, they weren't, you know, thinking about working on server side flat packs. Right. So that would be definitely um, an issue. And I think Michael's point of a universal um, c- container would be a really good option. Because uh, c- after all, they were kind of copying the technology after macOS.dmgs. Yeah. So, I mean, in some ways, in they some also, ways, yeah. Like, App images are more like DMGs because there's no security mechanism inside of yes, DMGs true. Yeah. or in app images. Like, so we've had some comments about people talking as like I've mentioned on the past that one of the reasons I don't like app images is because they don't have a security system built in and they don't have an update system built in. And we got a comment from a patron that was asking about how their one of their app images has an, a notice that they've been updated or that there's a new version. And this is a good comment because app images as a format don't have that. But if someone wants to build it in themselves to notify the users, they can. My problem yeah. is, is that that's not a normal. That's not And normal, yeah. that's not a standard anyway for the format. And uh, even if they did have the notification, it's still not an update. It's just a click to download kind of thing, which in some ways, some people might like that. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the flat pack versus snap, I don't know which one is the best in terms of technology. I know mm-hmm. which one is the most beloved 
beloved because yeah. of the well you know which one you use the most like i imagine you use flat packs the most i use both of them mm. i probably use flat packs the most just because there's more things that i use that are flat packs but there are some things that are only made of snaps and i use the snaps so and there's also the same thing with that only uses app image and there yeah. are times where i use the app image so it just depends on whatever the format is provided to me is as long as it runs on my system i do not care that's my yeah. philosophy. But also, my most, my, the most important thing here is that people are kind of arguing that snaps versus flat packs, but there's also the devs and RPM side of it. Mm-hmm. And that part, I think, is not really understood well because a lot of times people are talking about how traditional packages are more performant and things like that and smaller. Or not smaller, we've already talked about that. But... Or not necessarily always, but the issue with these things is making devs and making RPMs is kind of a nightmare because you have to make a different version for different distros and a different version for different versions of distros. Yeah. So you could have (laughs) one package, one application, every version could have 20 devs and five to seven RPMs and stuff like that. How many of the people, Michael, do you think that are mad about like hate snaps or hate flat packs actually are developers? Like what percent of them do you think are actually actively developing software out there? Five, maybe? Five percent. Yeah. Yeah. Because anybody who's developing software, I think you're being very gracious with the five percent. It's probably like zero point zero 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 three i've had discussions <laughs> with people who are developers who prefer flat packs and some prefer snaps and uh their reasoning totally one they may prefer one over the other but sure. none of them are going to be like hey the old system that most of them don't hate it no yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and as far as people who are making software as of the introduction of flat packs and snaps before they were not those people love they don't care. They love both. They love the idea yeah. of having something like this because, and I do too, because there are many times where there's some applications that we've wanted on Linux for so long that were never going to happen because yeah. of how painful it is to package for Linux. It used to be an actual nightmare. When I first got into being a part of an application project, I saw how much of a mess it was. And it was just like crazy to me. And then they started making snaps and they started making flat packs. And I was like, oh, this is fantastic. And that has proven to be the case with we now have a lot of applications that we never were going to have prior. Yeah, that's a really good point. The other one is, have you noticed how many new applications that are available for, for Linux are on FlatHub? I mean, it's it's been amazing. We talk about them here on the show almost every week. <laughs> software you can download from FlatHub that doesn't oh, yeah. necessarily have a .deb and a .rpm. So yeah. obviously developers are really liking the format cuz it makes them it makes it easier to to publish their software on Linux. So I you know Jim like I think it's I'd like to know honestly why you were uh you don't like Snap so much. Um and I don't like the disingenuous cuz we weren't being disingenuous at all. I mean it's how we feel. Uh why would we uh, be disingenuous on the topic, frankly. Like, why would we make a podcast none of them sponsor with 300 us, episodes if we, <laughs> were, if we um, wanted to make up stuff? Yeah. And if you look at some of our prior critiques and older episodes of things that Canonical or Red Hat, for that matter, have done, you could tell that uh, we're we're not really worried about their feelings on 
yeah. on our on we don't hold back. Our opinion. Yeah. No. So, um, you know, but maybe you're a newer listener and things, and I appreciate the feedback nonetheless. Um, but I think that for me, if I see a flat pack, and Michael mentioned this in the last one, and I thought it was a really good point, like because of just the timing, flat packs got to where I want from a desktop perspective faster. And generally, if I'm looking for something, I'm going to flat hub first. And as a last resort, I may look at a snap version of it. Uh, and that's just because kind of flat pack got to me first, if you will, and they got to where I wanted them to be first. So if you mm-hmm. ask me, do I have a preference over one or the other? It's like, well, yeah, I'm going to go flat pack just because. Um, but if it's server related, I don't have that option. And I always go snap because it's so easy to set up Nextcloud and things in a snap yeah. version. Like it's so good. It's so good. And if we're wanting people to come and adopt Linux and start being able to utilize it without having to spend months figuring stuff out, snaps and a server is a fantastic way uh, to do that. So I'm, I don't want snaps to die uh, out there. I do like Michael's idea that snaps kind of say, hey, we're going to be more server world, flat packs going to be more desktop, but I don't think they're going to, either of them are either probably going I to I mean, that, this that is like route, an ideal so, thing. You know. Like I would yeah. be like, that. that's my preference. My actual ideal is that they come come together and work on as a team. Come but together. You know, yeah, I know, like a John Lennon thing. One, <laughs> exactly, one world. Exactly. But, no countries, no borders. If you could imagine. But then the other, the other issue really is that um, if I was canonical, I would basically make both. Like I, I don't, I wouldn't see a reason to make the technology for the server and not make it for the desktop. It makes yeah. sense to do both. So yeah. it's not really an issue there. I would just hope that they would be more open to flat packs because I know the reason they don't want to have flat packs is because they don't want to guarantee support for something that they're not able to give support on. I get why that's not that's why it's not there by default, and they have to do the enterprise deals and stuff like that. But at the same time, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So if you want to ask us a question or send in your comments like Jim did and tell us we're disingenuous, you can do that by going to destinationlinux.net slash comments, and we may read it on the show. You may not think we'd read it on the show, but we did. That's what, I mean, that's how we roll. Even if they're negative, it's okay. Negative is yeah. okay. I, I mean, can't believe you called Jill disingenuous. Jill. I know that's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> that's especially really, Jill. Right? Like you didn't say just Ryan and Michael. You included all of us in that. And this community may attack you. I'm just letting you know, Jim. Like it could happen. Just warning. Yeah, it's <laughs> fair fine warning. to attack us. Nobody cares. But Jill, that's that's really crossing the line there, buddy. This episode of Destination Linux is sponsored by Linbit. Linbit has been keeping digital businesses running for over 20 years. They're the makers of open source products like DRBD, which is high availability software that has been part of the Linux kernel since 2010, and Linstore, industry-leading open source software-defined storage. Linbit has an active presence in the open source community, and they collaborate with the community to help identify and build new features. Linbit provides enterprise-grade software that runs on a variety of platforms and OSs without vendor lock-in. What that means is, is that you could choose the software on any platform, including specific hardware that you want to use or just off-the-shelf hardware that you get and connect it. You get, all of this stuff can be interchanged really easily. And with DRBD and LinStore, you can have high-speed replicated block storage in almost any configuration. Whether it's Kubernetes, Apache Cloud, or Open Nebula, there's even DRBD proxy for long-distance replication. 
Linbit is run by its founders to this day, and all of its engineers and developers are in-house with offices in Europe and North America, which allows them to have global 24-7 support to complement their enterprise offerings. Visit linbit.com to learn more about the people behind Linbit and the awesome software for block storage, duplication, and more. Have you ever sent a video or a picture to someone who has a different kind of phone than you? And for example, if someone has an iPhone and you have an Android or vice versa, they sometimes result in having, well, what's a pile of trash that they get that is in the form of an image or a video. It's a pile of garbage pretending to be a video. That's kind of like how so I like to bad. Say. Like it's yeah. like so yeah. grainy <laughs> and, and nasty. And yeah. you send them a video or a picture, or it's super tiny. Like, I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. And also there's been this kind of running joke about the blue bubble versus the green oh, yeah. bubble. And that's because Apple has the iMesh system, which is pretty cool actually. Uh, because it makes it possible for people to send high-quality videos to each other, but you can only do that from Apple to Apple. And it also does support SMS, but uh, that's for the Android side. So if you wanted to send a video to an Android user, you're going to get that pile of garbage pretending to be a video. <laughs> now, so this certainly makes it pretty hard when you're like the only one in a group with an Android or you're talking with people and then they do this whole... Uh, like your like they, they send you a message that says that they liked your thing and just shows you that that is an Apple user yeah, because yeah. they really just added a reaction and that sort of thing. Uh, so it's kind of a mess and it has been for years, but uh, it seems like there may be some adjustments happening. And Ryan, what's happening here? Well, there's really good news. If you're there hanging out with your friends and they're like, hey, film this real quick. And then you send it to your friends and they're like, oh, man, you're an Android user. You suck uh, with the grainy things. Those days are about to go away. So you can now hang out with your friends again that have Apple phones because Apple is finally you agreeing can now to support. like your family again. <laughs> yeah. RCS. <laughs> you can now like your family again. Uh, so Apple's going to support RCS, and RCS is what allows for rich media to be sent, and it can be encrypted. So one of the problems with SMS is it's not encrypted. They could read everything, your telecom, all that stuff. They could read it all. And of course, if you're following some of these projects out there, uh, pretty much the government can read it, whether it's an iMessage or anything else. But I'm just talking about like they don't even have to try to target you to read SMS. It's just out there where, as you know... When you're using iMessage, it's encrypted. And RCS is cool because it can be encrypted. And this is yeah. an important yeah. part. I don't like the, the emphasis on the can so much. So, yeah. Uh, this is where it gets interesting because the EFF, who I love and adore, and they go to scale every year and I donate and I get hats from them because I love Ooh. them, even though I don't need another hat. I have lots of hats, uh, but I just love EFF and everything they do. But they wrote an article and they state, on its own, the core RCS protocol is currently not any more secure than SMS, which I means not secure at all because SMS is not secure. Uh, the protocol is not encrypted by default, meaning that anyone at your phone company or any law enforcement agent, ordinarily with a warrant, I like how they put ordinarily because, you know, government would be caught cheating and stuff, uh, <laughs> will be able to see the content and metadata of your RCS messages. Now, this is where things get a little bit different because Google's version of RCS does have an extension enabled that uses Signal's encryption protocol, but that only works 
only works if both users are utilizing Google Messages, the mm. default text platform, and if the carrier supports it. Now, in the U.S., thankfully, all three carriers finally do support RCS. So that one, at least in the U.S., we get a little check mark. But you've got other messaging platforms that are developed by the actual manufacturers themselves. For instance, you know, Samsung creates their own crap layer on top of things and all these other companies. Hey, don't be talking about Samsung's layer on top of Android as if it is some terrible, horrible (laughs) pile of garbage without saying that it's a terrible, horrible pile of garbage because it is. In our opinions. (laughs) In Uh, our opinions. Because of the privacy policy. Just read Samsung. Please read Samsung's policy. I also don't like the experience anyway. I I had a conversation with someone who said, hey, Samsung's got their interface. I actually had a Samsung phone at the time and they said Samsung's phone's interface is so much better now. I forgot what it's called, like the one thing or whatever. And then I was like, okay, I'll turn it, I'll turn off my my Nova launcher. And then I went to back to the Samsung launcher and it was awful. I was there for 45 seconds or something. Yeah, like it wasn't yeah. that short, but I tested some stuff and I'm like, nah, I go back. No. Yeah. So, yeah no, yeah, well, now they back, have the S24 opinion. AI in there. So the AI, because AI is so cool. So it's and artificially it making AI. it worse. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, it's automatically better. So <laughs> yeah. who knows? The new one may be great. But uh, again, Samsung, read the privacy policy. It's it's a great read. It's the one Unless you don't policy. like horror books, then don't read this. Yeah. Samsung. Jill, Jill <laughs> would get scared if she read it. Don't read that, Jill. It's the, <laughs> yeah. Stephen King wrote the thing. Um, so... It's worth noting that Google's encryption, uh, they use Signal's encryption protocol like a piece of it, but uh, it doesn't hide any metadata. So they kind of left that part out. They were like, oh, let's take that code. (laughs) We don't need that. So they still get metadata about your messages. So they, even though it's RCS and even though it's technically encrypted, uh, they can't read the content, allegedly, but they can see who you message with, what time and how big the message was. So they can still gather quite a bit of information of who your contacts are, when you're contacting, and then with the little location data, where you're at when you're sending those contacts too. So Wonderful. Not fantastic, yeah. but you know, a little bit better than just having your message wait, wait, out wait there. A minute. Wait a <laughs> Google is taking location data? No way. No way. Nice. Oh, you just turn it off. Oh, wait, they got caught. Not doing anything with that weird i mean Hmm. it's just never Um, would have guessed here's the bad thing about that so we talked about hey google to google rcs you can have an encryption layer this is great but apple has decided as apple typically does that Mm -hmm. they're not going to use google's proprietary implementation of rcs encryption rather it will make its own encryption for its rcs (laughs) usage so while your pictures and videos will now be sent in full clarity, whether you're on Android or iPhone to each other, you can be friends again. You don't have to hate your Android peoples or your iPhone peoples. Uh, they may not be private because I don't, unless they use something that's a compatible layer that they partner in some way to make sure they can both decrypt each other. Uh, it's not going to work. So just keep using Signal, in other words. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. use Signal and don't worry about any of this garbage. Some kind of encryption people. app. Yeah. You know, if you can get people to use it, just use that. That's yeah. much better. You use that. Just stick with Signal. Like, it's RCS is here. Hey, clap. Thanks. I mean, it is okay. It's cool to send videos to your mom so cool. who's not going to download yeah. Signal, though my yes. mom did because she's on another level than y'all's moms. But other moms, <laughs> you know, maybe hard to get them to use Signal. I see. Yeah. It's like, is that some weird flexing right there? But I'm just saying. Uh, I mean, my, my mom level. used Signal too. So I don't know. Does she really? About. Yeah. Man. I mean, I mean, yeah, I put it on there. So it's fine. <laughs> you know, but 
But the uh, anyway, the most frustrating thing with this whole situation is not having support for high quality content, like video and stuff. So in a a grand scale, this is a step forward. I Mm. mean, it's not a big step forward, but it's better to have this step than no step because you're saying how, you know, in track record of Apple who are not playing well with others, they have been doing this for what, 15 Mm. years or something where they refuse to have support for it. So at least they are somewhat open to having support. Yeah, I'm, get, I'm curious why. Probably the EU government made them. I'm Probably. sure. That's what I was no about to say. Like some somewhere and somewhere, some country was like, "You have to do this." And they're like, "Okay, yeah. fine." Right. Yeah. yeah. And I'm actually really happy. You know that the interoperability uh, between Apple and Android, you know, will improve, mm-hmm. and the quality of the pictures and videos sent will be higher resolution like totally. michael was saying and i actually did a little bit of research so rich communication services or or rcs supports file sizes up to 100 megabytes conversely our current standard short message service or sms only supports file sizes of 1 megabyte to 3.5 megabytes depending on the carrier they 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 do limit some of those yeah. numbers so you could and, send an entire yeah. floppy disk yes through <laughs> that's that. it though yes you yeah. could and that's it and it, it would also wouldn't you guys agree be nice that if we you, you know you liked uh, a picture on the mac side that it would be an actual like <laughs> on yeah. the picture on so, the android side and not a little text message that says it's true so I feel like this is might be that Apple is being forced to do this, but also I think it's maybe because Google has like kind of sort of fixed that in like this like roundabout way mm. where yeah. now on the Apple side, if you say that you like something, depending on what version of Android you have, what phone you have and that sort of thing, uh, it will give you the reaction like it n- normally would <laughs> as an Android user. And yeah. then when you give your reaction, it sends back the thing that Apple used to send where it says the whole like. Yeah, it's gotten better know. between there. And you know that yeah. because, uh, you know, you have friends that are in this mixed <laughs> yes. ecosystems yes. and things. <laughs> and so, you know, what's interesting is Apple has a darn near monopoly in the United States with everybody under the age of 25. Like it's like 86% or something of everyone has an Apple device. So, oh, yeah. You know, some of these moves Apple did, this goes back to our discussion, which we got a lot of great feedback on from the community. And I really appreciate about That's our discussion business, on Ryan. good business. Yes, it's just good business. And, you know, <laughs> like they get awarded for it. Because honestly, this would be one of those times where people were like, it's just smart business for Apple to do this. Um, but the reality is it just wasn't very competitive or ethical um, from a, hey, let's have Let's have a fair competition here. Ryan, what are you talking about? It's just because they have, it's not like you're forced to only use their stuff. It's a walled garden and it's so pretty. It has flowers over there. It's got a river (laughs) over here. It's so pretty. And apple peeing into a pond in the middle. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a sculpture of an apple. (laughs) (laughs) You're right, Michael. I don't know what I was thinking, but. Uh, don't trust the encryption stuff unless it's, you know, Signal. Um, what's the other one out there that's really a lot of people? Session's pretty cool. Session, yeah. yeah. Session's, yeah, session's fantastic. awesome. Yeah. So there, there are a lot of better options out there than um, 
the RCS stuff, but if you're sending it to family members and things. And by the way, WhatsApp was on trial in the Facebook trial, and they asked Zuckerberg if it could read any metadata, such as who you're sending text to and everything else. And Zuckerberg on trial said no. So if you trust, you know, that it's probably better than SMS for sure. And maybe even better than RCS. Would I use it over Signal? No, but I know in a lot of countries, WhatsApp's kind of the standard. And, you know, that's Huge. probably better than any of the other options out there. Signal best, or session, Signal, then WhatsApp, and then yeah. maybe the others. And also, WhatsApp's code uh, encryption is based off of Signal. So there is that. And also, that is could be true that Zuckerberg said that, and it was true. It also could be true that they, they changed it after the fact, and or, no one would know. It um, was worded in such a tricky way that the lawyers can yeah, say, yeah, you can say that, but really true, we yeah. can't. You never, you never. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it is worth noting that Facebook themselves uh, claimed that they have added encryption to the regular messenger for Facebook. So uh, that's cool. It only took you 20 years or something. Uh, <laughs> but the, it's overall, I think that this is a good thing that's happening. Yeah. We make jokes about how Apple's terrible because they are and how Google's terrible because they are. But we also are acknowledging that RCS is better than having just SMS, you know, but it's not like it's not the most encrypted thing. So if you're sending private stuff, you still don't want to use it. Yeah, there you go. So I, there's some other news about Google, because why not just make this an Apple Google episode at this point? You know, fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so Google has done something that we've been dreaming of forever on this show. We've been talking about, please, Google, delete our history. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. Google has decided to delete history. That's fantastic. Uh, not the history we wanted, not our personal information that they've been storing. Sorry, uh, Michael. Uh, they're just getting rid of cached web page features. Why would you do this to me, Ryan? <laughs> that's, the, that's the history <laughs> they finally decided to uh, get rid of. So uh, this is a step in the right direction. They're deleting some history. Some so, history. Stuff, <laughs> history that people sometimes use for practical yeah. reasons. Uh, but the actual... Yeah. You know, okay. the old saying, like, whatever you put on the internet stays on the internet. But that's still true. But Google's doing their part by getting rid of their caching <laughs> They're feature. doing their part to make that not true. Yeah, uh, which, you know, has been used in the past. This caching feature essentially was uh, a way for people who had really slow internet to be able to load a page and then be able to go back to it very quickly without having to uh, utilize or even have restrictions on the amount of uh, megabits and things that they can use. Uh, so, you know, this was definitely when the internet was a little more frustrating, a little slower, something that was used there. Also, a lot of businesses got caught, you know, the CEO would put some memo out there and think it was like bold and brave. And then all of a sudden people start going crazy and he's like, remove that. But you could go to the cached history option in Google and be able to see oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. that that old version of that so when he's like i never said that be like boom i brought receipts sit down sir <laughs> and then you know you had that ability but google doesn't like that they're like we don't want businesses no i'm kidding uh, that's yeah, they've been doing this for yeah 20 something years so yeah uh, I, actually I, it's probably not that long but i don't remember when they started but I, I remember it's been there for a very long time and i've used cash stuff for a lot of different things 
it's also valuable in sense of you can look at previous versions of a website that you're working on and you mm. can reference some stuff and to see if the like the new code broke something you could go to the like and depending on the kind of code if it's like javascript for example you could go to the cached version and see what's the difference in you know the, the current version versus the other version so there are benefits to it in those cases and also there's just the whole you know finding people doing sketchy stuff and claiming things like that has happened many times yeah many times Absolutely. so it is kind of a bummer that they're getting rid of this cache system but also i don't think a lot of people use it yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and most of the people I, I saw upset were like you, people who were developers on websites and things like that. The everyday user was like, "Oh, that was a feature. I didn't even know that was <laughs> an option there." But you know, they they also said that pretty much the code's been unmaintained, pretty much like Google Search, because if you use Google Search lately, it sucks. Uh, so, but they're saying the code's unmaintained. Uh, you know, so it's just kind of been sitting out there and not really reliable and all that stuff, but. You know, one of the reasons it existed again was because of slow internet. So one of the things we brought up on this show that shocks a lot of people is how many people here in the United States have very, very slow internet, no access to broadband at all. 42 million Americans have no access to broadband still. According to Broadband Now, a data technology company, the FCC defines broadband as having download speeds of a minimum of 25 megabits per second and upload speeds of at least three megabits per second. So slower than that. And yeah. so we have 42 million Americans that don't even have that, or in many cases have no internet at all. So it's not like, hey, we solved the problem of the digital divide of kids in certain areas not having internet to be able to do their homework like other kids in other yeah. neighborhoods, giving them an unfair mm-hmm. advantage. And of course, now we got the whole AI layer on there that they don't have access to on top of that, which makes it even worse. Uh, but we're getting rid of some of these older features as if we have solved it. And again, it's not Google's problem to fix. And frankly, there are other sites out there that I think do archiving and stuff too. So I don't know. Big deal or nothing sandwich? I do think it is a big deal only because of the digital divide. That does concern me a bit because I know I actually um, have some family members that are still on dial-up. And um, I've actually show- showed them how to use those links. <laughs> to yeah. load the pages quicker it's yeah yeah that that is that's where it's scary because yeah we still have you know not everyone up to speed on on the internet or even have internet across the country so. yeah the, the 42 million is not having broadband i i don't yeah I'm curious how many don't have anything <laughs> anything you know because yeah. there's there's definitely some people who i know are still using dial-up mm-hmm. uh, because there's been reports of that still being existing and like why yeah. is that and it's mostly because companies aren't rolling out uh, any kind of that any kind of high speed technology, even DSL to areas like that. So yeah. that's a massive bummer. And uh, this is a shame that they're getting rid of it because it does help with a lot of stuff. Because for those who don't know, let's just clarify: the cache system is something where you have a website that has uh, stuff that's constantly moving. But that can also be images, it can be video, and the cache system where it's kind of like, here's a f- moment in time where it was at this point. So depending on what you're doing, that might not be helpful. A cached version of YouTube would not be very helpful. <laughs> but a cached version of a news article or a cached version yeah. of anything that's a, you know educational purpose. Static, yeah. Like yeah, th- those research. would be wonderful to have yeah. cached. 
So maybe instead of get Google getting rid of everything, if they just cached stuff like that, that doesn't move. And they, they know the metrics of like how often a particular website is updated and stuff. So if it's updated once a day, you probably don't need to. Or if they're just doing pages and articles and stuff, maybe that's the thing they could do. So I, it's, it's a bummer in that sense. And I do think that the lack of internet in certain places is a shame that they're getting rid of something that was very helpful to those people. But also, it's kind of sad because I think that they're getting, they're getting rid of it because it's like, well, nobody uses it anyway, so why are we continuing to do it? Mm-hmm. And then you have the case yeah. of so many people who would benefit from it just didn't know it existed. Yeah, that's true. You've got the Internet Archive, though. Yeah. Like, that's out yeah. there. You know, that's true. So that provides some ability for us to go back and see web pages, but it's not really a caching service. Yeah. By the way, yeah. have you ever lost your internet and then you open up and it pops up to Google and you're like, oh, I do have internet. And then you start typing and then it's like, you have no internet connection because that web page was cached, right? The right. Google page yeah. was cached yeah. <laughs> right there. And so that's kind of what we're talking about. And for those who don't know what dial up, imagine you have a picture of Michael's face that you want to download <laughs> and you click download As of and course then you would. it loads pixel line by pixel line by pixel line. (laughs) Three minutes later, you've got to Michael's glasses. And then another five minutes later, you get to part of his beard. And about at 10 minutes, you're at the bottom of his beard and you finally have his face. That's... Yeah. That's and and also, this is a picture of my upper body as well. So you still got another 15 minutes to wait. (laughs) But they... But it's it's funny because dial-up is something that we've been away from for so long in so many areas. Like, for example, I'm a gigillionaire. Because <laughs> get killing it because you have I don't know if you heard I know the commercial yeah 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 it's, it's like the spectrum commercial it's yeah. so bad it's so oh, cringe boy. but it's actually it's it's cringe in a way that it's kind of funny you know yeah. but uh, like dad jokes yeah exactly exactly yeah. so it, it, I've had gig for a while and it's it's like yeah. compare like the the comparison of what is technically called broadband should be set here. We should be expressing this 25 megabit versus a gigabit, which is yeah. 1,000 gigab- megabits. 1,000 megabits versus 25. Just to be qualified as broadband, it only needs to be 25. Five. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. And we don't even have that for 42 million. That's what's Yeah, crazy. I know. That's, so that's crazy. again, it's not on Google to be, you know, necessarily supporting that. They don't have to. It's a cool feature. Sorry to see it go. Looks like your search engine. All right. What do we got in gaming? Jill? Oh. <laughs> Shots fired. Shots Just like in gaming. <laughs> exactly. We're going to talk a bit about the Steam Deck and some of its competitors, nice. <laughs> or at least one of its competitors. The Steam Deck has naturally inspired a lot of companies to dip their toes back into handheld gaming. Well, this And to week, create copycats, yes. Yes, and to create copycats. So this week we have a new alternative to the Steam Deck. And this one is powered by the Orange Pi, the cool. makers of the popular Raspberry Pi alternatives. And they're combining forces with Manjaro Linux. Nice. And they're calling the Orange Pi, this um, Orange Pi, the Orange Pi Neo, and it's it's got some a lot of interesting specs, including an AMD Ryzen 7 7840U Fire. CPU. And I understood uh, what that meant. Yes. Yeah, 1920 by 1200 <laughs> uh, resolution screen, 
Uh, that's uh, 1610, which is nice, and 500 nits of brightness, 120 hertz refresh rate, which is always right. a good thing. So uh, good. It comes in 16 gigabyte or 32 gigabyte variations and has nice. storage of 512 gigabytes to 2 terabyte PCIe, 4.0 NVMe SSD, dual, dual 6-axis gyroscopes, and a 50-watt battery. So the, mm -hmm. the specs look pretty nice. Yeah, they do. I mean, they, they packed yeah. a nice little uh, bit of hardware here. I like the Orange Pi. I'm really interested. Yeah. Um, Raspberry Pi has had a lot of issues with supply chain. And, you know, Orange Pi has come in and provided some alternatives out there. And they're a pretty cool company. And yeah. a lot of people really like the Orange Pi. Uh, thankfully, Raspberry Pi is starting to get over uh, some of its inventory issues and I love the Raspberry Pi 5 and all of those type of things. But again, competition, like if they weren't there and people had to get back during the supply chain constraints and things, there were no other alternatives, it was a problem. So I'm really happy to see Orange Pi kind of dipping their toes into other waters. I think it's really kind of a natural progression to look at other pieces of hardware that they can get into. This is an interesting choice. I mean, the device looks just like the Steam Deck. I mean... Mm -hmm just like it and it will be really interesting to me because the steam deck isn't just about hardware and that's where everyone who's trying to copy mm -hmm. the steam deck keeps getting it wrong it's so much not about the hardware it's not the, in the steam deck yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the operating system and yeah. how well and cohesive it is for handheld gaming so I'm not quite sure how Manjaro aims to compete with SteamOS, but they are very, very talented team over there that do some incredible things with Manjaro. So I'm looking forward to seeing what their take is on it. Are they going to take SteamOS and kind of do some modifications? Because SteamOS is Arch-based, and so is Manjaro. They are definitely not taking SteamOS and making modifications. I mean, they may. How do you know? Because SteamOS is not available to make modifications on. Oh, well, there you yeah. go. Yeah. Um, so competition is a good thing, as pointed out earlier in the email, although they contradicted that entirely in the email. Sorry, Jim, but just pointing that back out again. Um, competition <laughs> is a really good thing. Hey, I'm don't be mad. disingenuous. Yeah. <laughs> At, oh, uh, Orange Pie uh, for stepping up their game here. Their game yeah. here. Get yeah, that's it? good. Yeah, well, pun intended. I think it's also cool that they're just not... It's just not another Steam Deck competitor where they're shoehorning yeah. uh, Windows on it. At right. least it's Linux. It's actually yes. a true competitor. <laughs> yeah. And Manjaro, a lot of fans of Manjaro. Yeah, Manjaro. For that great. reason alone, yeah. it would be kind of cool to play with it. So, sure. Yeah. 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 Michael, and the, you buying one? You know, you going to wait Am I buying one? What's it cost? I don't know. I didn't get that price. Oh. See, that was that was my first thought, Ryan, when I was reading this article. What's the price point going to be? <laughs> right. So they haven't released the price point? <laughs> no. I don't think so. Yeah. I'm on their website. Uh, I, I don't it see anywhere. any price point yet. But well, that's a bummer. Yeah. So uh, yeah. up until this point, I would have to say no because I don't know what it is. Uh, so it right, could $5. be. $5. No. Yes, I, I will bet. Yes. For yes. $5. Okay. Sure. For $5, you're buying. All right. 50%. Fifty? Yes. Yeah. Fifty. <laughs> Fifty. Wow. Hey, we know a little at least. Low. Well, I was thinking since the Orange Pi Neo is made by Orange Pi, and they're makers of great low-cost Linux-powered single-board computers, I'm assuming it will compete with the Steam Deck in price. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I mean that makes sense. Yeah. It would yeah. be kind of a bad move if yeah. they didn't compete. <laughs> but I think that it's it's a smart move that they are making a Linux version for their particular handheld. 
So it's very cool because a lot of times we're talking about the Windows versions. They're not like the whole reason that Steam Deck is, a, is effective. It's because the tech and performance of the Steam Deck is based on the fact that it's a running a Linux system. And Manjaro, I'm not sure if it's the best choice because there are other systems and other distros that are made specifically to kind of be an alternative to SteamOS, like Chimera OS and things like that. Yeah. And I think Bazite is another one. But Bazite. it's, yeah, it's, there's a lot of them that are for that, for that specific purpose. And I'm not sure if Manjaro with Steam on top, like I hope they're going to be more than that. But if it's just Manjaro with Steam on top, I don't think that would be that effective. Uh, yeah, but they do have, you know, they're, they're using the Manjaro Gaming Edition in here that they're showing, which is the desktop edition. They're showing in some of the screenshots and things of it. So again, uh, I don't think this little tiny screen would look great with Manjaro Desktop Edition just showing up like a regular desktop. But then again, all the Windows portables do that. You just log into literally Windows, which again, kind of takes away from the whole experience yeah. of a handheld in my mind now we did say you know it's very similar hardware to the steam deck and looks very similar but they are advertising a lot of differences in the way they're doing cooling some of the differences in the type of buttons that they're using so definitely we'll have a link in the show notes you could check out all of the differences there it just you know it's got the mm -hmm. touch pads on the side there's a lot a lot of similarities like a lot a so lot. you know check on it the, out. as a, like a yeah. quick side note just a quick side note uh, I was talking about how it's a different, like there's not, they're not able to do the SteamOS thing because SteamOS is not. I was thinking about this because of this news coming out that S Steam and Valve making the decision to make SteamOS not accessible as like an ISO or open source, because it's not. If you want to get the open source code, you can get open source code of SteamOS for version two, which was based on Debian from a long time ago on Steam Machines, hmm. but not this one. So it's, interesting that they haven't released it but also at the same time i'm not bothered by that i think yeah. that it's actually okay because they're putting all this effort for the proton support and everything to work with linux desktop so it's it's benefiting the whole ecosystem yes in the same time that they're having this compatibility system and this product that they're building so while i know some people are kind of annoyed that SteamOS has not been released yet I think it kind of makes sense because the whole reason why I believe that they have it is because if they did, the real claim that they have of being the better option goes away because all the people who are putting Windows because they don't know what else to do, they would be able to just take SteamOS and do it. Because it's such it's, a niche use case, you're not as bothered by it of, hey, it's Yeah, because it's, made, for, and it's it made specifically for that particular device. Yeah. And because of all the work they have done, it has also af affected all of us on the Linux ecosystem yeah. already in a, in a very positive way. Yeah. So, so true. In that and sense, it's kind of like, it's kind of interesting because it's like, is there a possibility? Is there a type of situation where proprietary OS could benefit no, us? I disagree with you and you're and an open source trader. Jill, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I don't think well, you actually disagree. I just think I, you should want to say that. Yeah. Exactly. He's, he's not answering it audio because... <laughs> You're not being able to, but if you watch the video, he is agreeing to it. <laughs> I think this is a good, it's actually a good business decision by Valve because, and it's not even just the business decision. It was there from, from the start of the development of the Steam Deck. They said, said this was going to be a work in progress. 
and enable and for them to put out the best OS for the best hardware and to iterate new new versions of that hardware they have to they have to have an in-house OS for that process yeah but you could still open source it yeah um, that's true but also the so the thing that Jill just said which is kind of awesome is <laughs> it's a good business decision right yeah in this case it's actually also kind of an ethical business, yeah. good Man. business decision you both because of just... the fact that they are benefiting the Linux desktop system so much with all that. And I get to play games that I want to play yeah. on my desktop, regardless of having a Steam Deck or not. And I do have a Steam Deck, but you don't, you don't have to use the Steam Deck in order to get the benefit. So it's kind of like they found a middle ground that is a positive way of saying smart business decision. So Bobby stabs Tommy, but we're going to let Bobby go because he also works at charities <laughs> on the weekend because Bobby's kind of a good guy other than stabbing Tommy. So That's I don't want to philosophy. like point out that your logical fa fallacy is so massive uh, <laughs> because that would be rude to do that on a show, but it is uh, ridiculous. So I'll say that. <laughs> That's what I was going for. Well, um, well Proton yeah. is has been you know, open source for everyone to use. True. So, True. so yeah. the, the mechanics that make the gaming work really well on their OS is out there. Yeah. It's just for, the specifics for, for the their specific product. Yeah. yeah. It's, that's what's crazy is because <laughs> it, they are a prime example. So they created of, a walled garden. Yeah. No, they didn't. Well, no, because you no, can just walled. use Linux desktop and still get the benefit of playing the games. That's why it's not okay. the same right. thing. Right. Yeah. They're, it's it's just a, it's an interesting th right, thought Billy experience. Let us know what you think. <laughs> We're not talking. They're not stabbing anybody. <laughs> like like it's ridiculous. And also, what they're doing is a positive thing for us. Like we still get benefit. It's not a poor I'd Tommy. <laughs> they're, they're enhancing poor it Tommy. for hardware that they have yet to put out. Yeah. So. Well, <laughs> guess you guys are stabbing them from both sides, Jill and Michael. <laughs> Poor Tommy. All right, Jill, take us. Well, Tommy may need this software spotlight. Jill, can you tell Tommy about the software spotlight this week? Oh, yeah. <laughs> because he's been stabbed. Yeah, so, so many people still feel uncomfortable, like me and like Tommy, with the idea of using commercial software to track their health and vitals. I think Tommy's more <laughs> uncomfortable with the staffing. <laughs> Yeah, this can be, you know, uh, vital information to track changes in your overall health. And if if you fall into that camp, check out My GNU Health. This app is awesome. This is a personal health tracking app that keeps records of blood pressure, weight, glycemia, and oxygen levels. And this could actually be a great app to track this information, provide those records to your doctor, or detect abnormalities to know it's time to see your doctor. Check this app out, and it's available as an awesome flat pack. There you go, Jim. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can there you go. Flat pack version. And that's, me. <laughs> and that's, that's fantastic. I think it that's is. good. It also, it, it's, um, <laughs> it's also important that be able to check your blood pressure. I think that Tommy's is going down as he's losing some. He has some <laughs> abnormalities. Aww. Yeah, poor Tommy. Well, <laughs> I am personally just started using this app to track my vitals to show my doctor on the next visit. Literally, that. Michael and Ryan don't even know that I've just within the last few weeks, I've started using this app because I am nice. tracking my blood pressure as well on the daily basis. 
And uh, this app I was looking forward to because I got to talk to the developers of GNU Health at scale about five, six years ago. Of course you did. Yeah. So (laughs) I remember them talking about this app that was coming. So ever since then, I've been very interested. (laughs) How cool is that? And and this is such important information because what people don't realize a lot is – and I'm, I'm as bad as anyone in this camp, especially when I was in my 20s. Like I didn't go, I didn't have a doctor, primary care physician. I literally, if I got really sick, would go to urgent care and get the medicine I needed. And then I would, that would, that was my primary doctor is that one visit when I'd get sick enough to need an antibiotic or something. And cause I just didn't track any of that, but that history can really be the early detection of disease, heart problems, all kinds of things, even, you know, major changes with organs that could be affecting you in ways you don't even realize Mm -hmm. if you don't have that data tracked. So a lot of these watches and other things offer to track this. They even have monitors with really tiny little needles that fitness people wear that actually are meant to track blood sugar and things, but they use it to uh, for their fitness goals and things. They don't have blood sugar issues. And so all of the stuff of tracking health is super awesome and super important. The problem is... That needle wind doesn't sound that awesome. It, it seems like it'd be really bad, but apparently yeah. it doesn't hurt, but I still, like, I'm it like... Sounds all, it sounds yeah. like a terrible <laughs> idea. Imagine doing, I mean, like, weightlifting with needles in your arm. I'll just, oh, I, I am very impressed it. by the people who do it, but I also think that they yeah. might be crazy. Yeah, they might be crazy. Um, <laughs> but this information, what I'm getting at, is super Fine. important. And having something like GNU Health that you can trust this information yeah. isn't being commercialized and sold, uh, but you can still keep track of it and share it with your doctor, I think is yeah. awesome. This could also be good for like tracking your blood pressure, like for Ryan's rage issues. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys, the rage issues, just ask Timmy or Tommy. <laughs> Tom, wait, you're <laughs> the one who stabbed? forgot his name. <laughs> Forgot his name. You're the one who stabbed the fictional character that you didn't even remember the name you came up with. (laughs) Poor Tommy. Poor Timmy. The worst part, Ryan, is that you forgot his name. No, his middle name is Timmy. Timmy Tommy? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, is it Tommy Tommy, Timmy? Tommy Timmy Tomlinson? (laughs) Tommy Timmy Thompson. That's what it is. You should at least know his name as you guys are stabbing him, shanking him. Poor guy. All right. (laughs) Okay. What's your tip and trick, Michael? How to wheel, how to make a shank in prison? No, definitely not. I think we're going to keep this uh, a little more PG than that. All right. So let's talk about the tip of the week, which is the Firefox feature of Reader View. For those who don't know that Reader View exists, it is awesome. So let's say you're on your desktop and you go to his website and there's just ads everywhere. Now, Mm. I personally am okay with ads to a point. For example, if they have three ads on a web page, totally fine with that. If they have five ads on a web page, kind of much, but also okay. If they have 12, then you're you're ridiculous and stop it. Do you count them and yeah. you're like, oh, this is When six, I see so mad. many, I 100% count them. Mm. There are some websites in the Linux space that might have that many, specifically that many, and it's annoying and mm. excessive and and that's coming from someone who's that. in marketing. So that yeah. means something. Yeah. Because also, it's every time these ads pop up, they're typically JavaScript attached to them and stuff. So it's just cranking out tons and tons yeah. of stuff. So yeah. it just makes the website so slow, depending on what it is. Because there are times where some of these ads and some of these websites, if you ever go to these like uh, listicle websites that have something that you might want to get some details on, 
and you scroll and then it throws you back up like, hey, it's another ad. And then you scroll down, it throws you back up. Like that nonsense is the mm. most irritating thing. What about a mobile? Like it, mobile is the worst. Uh, Sometimes these ads that, like yeah, take your those, browser That's over. the worst when that happens, yeah. on the, when it throws you back up on the mobile because you got to scroll like uh, 50 times to get to the yeah. thing and then it throws too you back up. for that. Yeah. Anyway, so all you, you have to do is come. So scrolling's hard. Exactly. That's what. That's why I have a keyboard that's so nice to my fingers. So this is the thing that makes you have the solution for this is the reader view people because you get to be able to just click one button and have all of that crap thrown away. Yeah. And you just see the text and the content that you want. Sometimes mm. the images are there depending on the article, and sometimes they just take the images out because you just want to read the content. So. It might not be perfect for everyone's use case, but it does eliminate Most. The, the websites that are incredibly excessively annoying with this yeah. stuff. Yeah. This Love is it. awesome, Michael. And those I, people I, deserve to not get the ads viewed because oh, it's too many. Yeah, it's obnoxious. As a marketer, <laughs> there is a point where it is too many. It is a point. Yeah, I actually use Reader View for every show here on Destination Linux to easily read the articles we use for our show notes and to do research. And I'm, I'm constantly using reader view on the beautiful Firefox. It's also available on Vivaldi too. I do use it on Vivaldi. How dare now. you bring up the, the, the <laughs> how dare you? Firefox is the only browser to ever mention period. I mean, unless they get rid of like their CEO and like things happen and like, uh, all right, that's not, ah, that's well, not going to happen. There's another good reason uh, for for those of you that are low vision or blind is the screen readers work vet better with reader view turned on. <laughs> like uh, yeah, that's true. And yeah. also, I think there on some implementations of Firefox, there's a built-in screen reader. Yes, there is. In fact, so, there is for the Raspberry cool. Pi, and yeah. <laughs> so, did you notice that Jill said I use it for the show notes to? We don't send you ads, Jill, in the show notes. No. <laughs> but now I want no. to. Like, we've been missing a whole potential <laughs> clip. Like, no, I, I meant for, like, reading our articles that are linked notes. in our show notes. Yeah. <laughs> that makes more sense. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to start putting ads in our show notes just no. for Jill. <laughs> no ads. <laughs> oh, I love get additional... it's, it's It's great. It's clean. <laughs> All right. Good. This is checking. All right. So we have some exciting news. <laughs> I know. Exciting never news. happened before. Every We've episode. never said this before. Yeah. Uh, we're going to scale 2024. I've booked my ticket. I am headed <laughs> there March 14th through the 17th. And I actually have a room too. I'm staying in a hotel room, Michael. I'm not going to have to good. travel all the way back to Texas to sleep in my house. I'll have yeah. a hotel there. <laughs> That's very good to travel there and have a place to go to. Thank that you, is Michael. Yeah. I was thinking ahead. Uh, March 14th through the 17th, come join us. Me, Michael, Jill, will be there yeah. at scale in Pasadena, California, the greatest, absolutely greatest Linux uh, festival out there. You've got to come join. Sure and awesome. just for our listeners, by the way, just for our listeners, don't go and share this with other podcasts. They ain't cool like us. Just for our listeners, even you, Jim, you can use the promo code <laughs> TUX, T-U-X, on the first page of scale registration to get 50% off your scale pass. And I'm not being disingenuous. That's true. You get 50%, 50 off. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And, and in addition to that, I think it's going to be a great year at scale. Mm. And in fact, I think you're going to have very high expectations when you come to our booth number 420. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's yeah. our booth number? That is our yeah. booth number. That's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. 
I absolutely love that. All right. A big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening. However you do it, we love your faces. Come join us on our Discord. Get to know people in the community that share their love and passion for open source and Linux and everything else. We've got weightlifting, movies, all of the stuff you can geek out on there on our Discord. So go to tuxdigital.com slash Discord. And did you know that we actually have a video version of this show? Uh, when we went to scale and other conferences, it cracks me up. It's like when people are like, oh my gosh, I can finally see your faces. And it's like, well, you can every week because we have a video <laughs> podcast. Yes. Um, yeah, I think so we've been doing video since the beginning. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. very beginning. Um, yeah. you may not but also, it, is, it, does, it is funny face, because... Jill's face, you know. I mean, Jill's, sure, exactly. Yeah. But if you, it's, it is kind of funny because of the fact that uh, most of our audience is on the, the audio version, the podcast-only side. And we've been doing video for so long, and a lot of people don't know that. Uh, but it's also important because of how important to see... When Ryan says something and then I call him out on it and he doesn't audibly answer it, he just nods his head yes that he was. Yeah. That, see, that's why <laughs> you'd want to watch the video first. Yeah, there's so much so, Easter. There's so many Easter eggs and behind the scenes. Yeah, going so on. many behind the scenes. By the way, if you want to see a lot of behind the scenes <laughs> stuff, you need to become a patron because they get unedited versions of the show. And if you don't want ads, well, that's where you become a patron and you don't have to listen to any ads. Uh, become a patron of Destination Linux. You get unedited version of the show. You can watch the show live and you get no ads. What more do you want, people? No, seriously, what more do you want? What more could we do to make yeah. you sign up to this? Uh, going, <laughs> All you need to do is go to tuxdigital.com slash membership and you can get so much awesome perks. And what could we do? Well, maybe we could have a patron-only post show where patrons <gasps> can come and oh, hang out do. with us. Well, turns out we do have that. Yeah. Maybe we could have a patron-only section of our Discord server Ooh, that you one. get special access to us and to others who are our patrons and you can talk about whatever you want. Maybe we could do, we do have that. Just, <sighs> you're so good. What do you know? Tuxdigital.com <laughs> slash membership to yeah. find out more and check out all the cool stuff that you can get. Plus also go check out tuxdigital.com slash store because there you can get all the awesome swag that we have available like t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, coasters, and so much more. Tuxdigital.com slash store. Yeah, and I know you all have money because you're getting your tax returns back. What ah. better thing to spend your tax return money on than swag, than swag. and becoming a patron? Yes, yeah. exactly. People? Yes, so true. And make sure to check out all the incredible shows here on Tax Digital. That's right. We have an entire network of shows to fill your entire week with geeky goodness. Check out Linux Out Loud with Matt, Nate, and Wendy having a blast and sharing their passion for Linux and open source. And everyone head to textdigital.com and subscribe to all our incredible shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching and the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. Everybody have a great week. And remember that the journey itself is just as important as the destination. And I'm being genuine when I say that. I'm not being disingenuous. I mean it. 100%. We've said it so many times, it has to be true. 100%. Thanks, everybody. See you next week. And we mean that. We'll see you next week. <laughs> if you watch the video version, well, you maybe Ryan is giving you something right now, but you'll never know until you watch the video version.